Hello, everybody. Welcome once again. This is Syracuse Basketball Postgame presented by Krause Health, the exclusive healthcare partner for SU Athletics. Brent Axe with you here as we discuss the return of Joe Girard. And you couldn't have written the script any better, folks. Girard gets 18 points. That leads the way for Clemson. He attains 2,000 career points in the JMA Wireless Dome. Very appropriate there. There were certainly some boo birds out at the Dome today for Joe Girard, though a hearty reception as well. So that storyline pretty much checked every box you would expect. The only thing missing was like Girard hitting a game-winning three-pointer to close this out, but uh, he did close it out in other ways. So that storyline certainly held. We are going to hear from our Syracuse Sports Insiders as we go along and some of your frustrations with not only this game, but kind of the state of affairs for Syracuse basketball right now, we're going to go inside the locker room. We're going to hear from coach Autry, what he said about Gerard's return, what he said about this team. I thought Autry had some interesting things to say about the lineup of this team right now. Justin Taylor with some very strong comments about the booing of Joe Gerard. You're going to want to hear plus a little reaction from Quadir Copeland as well. A lot to discuss here as uh, the Orange fall to Clemson 77-68 to as we go through the afternoon. And uh, it's great to have you here. If you're watching us live, remember we do this uh, post-game show live on Facebook, on X, and on YouTube. But, of course, uh, please subscribe on Spotify, Apple, YouTube as well. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel, Syracuse Orange Sports on Syracuse.com. So you never miss a show, whether it be live or catch it on the replay on your time on demand. Yeah, guys, uh, you couldn't have written it any better. Gerard comes in. He leads Clemson with 18 points, hits some clutch shots when needed, hit his free throws down the stretch. The ACC's leading free throws matter shooter at 95%. You can't follow Joe Gerard because he's just going to make those free throws. We certainly saw that in his time here at Syracuse. The reception was interesting. Look, my take on this going into the game was this was pretty simple. Before 12 o'clock, Joe Girard should get nothing but admiration and applause. And, and there was plenty of that, by the way. There was plenty of great receptions that I saw. Joe talking to fans. Joe talking to security guards and ushers at the Dome. His grandmother was there today. His grandma doesn't get to a lot of his games at Clemson. Uh, as you can imagine, she would make it to a couple of games a year, even when he was at Syracuse. So he was happy to see his grandma at the game. A lot of family, a lot of smiles, a lot of selfies, just a lot of not your average pregame, right? Joe knew it was going to be different. His family was there sitting in the visiting section behind the visiting bench, which was weird. Before the game, I thought anything, you know, but admiration for Joe would be wrong. After 12 o'clock, you boo him every time he touches the ball because he is an opponent at that point, right? Like, this is pretty simple to me. But he was booed during uh, the introductions. That's the one that I thought would be key. Now, I had kind of a warped audio perception of this because I sit right in front of the student section where we sit in the media section at the Dome. I couldn't even hear Mike Veely say Joe Girard's name. The students were all over Joe all game. I thought before the game they could have been a little classier, applauded him, did something, some signs, maybe some kind of tribute, but they were all over him, and I know they're college kids, and I don't want to say every one of them was like this, but I heard some pretty nasty stuff coming out of that student section directed at Joe Girard, but it didn't matter in the end. He had the last laugh, 
as Clemson takes this one. And it wasn't just Joe Girard, by the way. I mean, you had P.J. Hall, who, by the way, it felt like he had 30 points in this game. But 15 points, 10 rebounds, a dominant play in the second half, a drive, one-handed dunk that kind of put an exclamation point on things. But the second half of this game, even with Hunter scoring 14, Shefflin was great at paint. And he's kind of their Malik Brown at 13 and 6. Clemson committed 21 turnovers in this game. Syracuse got 15 points off those turnovers, which just wasn't enough as it turned out in this game. Free throws, while a little better in this game, 11 of 15 for the Orange, 9 of 13 for Clemson in this game. We'll go over some more of the Syracuse stats in a moment as well. But I just couldn't get over the fact that Syracuse was in this game. And it is a credit to their second-half defense. Now, we got to be honest here. There are about four or five possessions for Clemson, particularly at the beginning of the second half, where the Benny Hill theme should have been playing in the background because they would just pass the ball to a teammate and they would drop it. Syracuse deserves credit for how they turbocharged their defense, played a lot better in the second half, and caused those turnovers. All credit to them. That is their defense, whether it's man or zone, and they played a little bit of both. Again today, Syracuse's bread and butter on defense is to charge out and to get steals and to get possessions going the other way and win the fast break game. And Syracuse had 14 steals in this game, and and they earned that, and that's how they play defense. But Clemson just shot itself in the foot. And throughout the first half, look, Clemson ends up out-rebounding Syracuse 41-24. Louisville, it was 40-21. to 21. I shudder to think what North Carolina is going to do in that department on Tuesday night, a team that just has a reputation as being one of the better rebounding teams in the country year in and year out. Points in the paint, 48-32. That actually looks better than I thought it would in that department, frankly. But Syracuse countered that, as we mentioned, with the their defense. I mean, Clemson shot 61% in this game. Syracuse shot 39% in this game. The Orange hit 7 of 23 from three-point range. Clemson was 6 of 14. It was enough. Gerard, of course, with a few of those. So it's weird to be sitting here talking about this team in this game because of the dominance in the paint by Clemson, the rebounding dominance they put forth, and just some other factors in this game, including Syracuse is down to basically a five-man rotation at this point. And here's what I mean by that. They played seven guys, but Moni or Hima, look, I don't really count. He played four minutes. He picked up two fouls. They just didn't get enough out of Moni or Hima. We learn right before the game that Peter Carey is out in what was deemed an upper body injury. After the game, Adrian Autry was just as surprised, by the way. It was supposedly something that happened in practice. Peter Carey did warm up. And all of a sudden, he's not there. So now you're down a center. And Malik Brown's got to be careful about fouls, and he does not foul out. He ended up with four on the day, but he actually did pace that out well, which was tough to do, guarding P.J. Hall and uh, Shefflin inside and some of the great players that Clemson has in the paint. And what I mean by a five-man rotation is you cut out Hema, and look, Justin Taylor again, folks. I asked him about it. I want to be fair about it. You're going to hear what he has to say about it. He's obviously frustrated but he did not score in this game. He took three shots in this game. He only had two rebounds in this game. He played 19 minutes. So you're down to essentially a five-man rotation if you're Syracuse, which leads me to, and you know, there's always that curiosity about that guy on the bench that's not getting in, but I am really curious 
why Kyle Cuff is not getting minutes for this team. I asked Adrian Autry about it after the game, and Autry gave a pretty standard kind of cliche answer that I just went with the guys I felt was best, coach's decision. It is not anything physical. And what stood out to me was in the second, uh, before the second half started, halftime, they always come out and warm up, right? So there's Kyle Cuff under the basket rebounding for the team. He's not shooting. He's not doing, he's just rebounding the basketball, which to me is somebody who knows he's not playing. He's not in the mix. Why wouldn't he be out there warming up? Everybody's got their different routines. I would have liked to ask him about it, but I didn't see him in the locker room afterwards. So that's curious to me. You're down to essentially five guys, right? Because Monier Hema just doesn't give you enough quality minutes. Now Peter carries out and Justin Taylor doesn't give you any production on the court. I don't want to hear about his defensive rotations. That's not what he's out there to do. Not that he didn't make some plays and not that Syracuse doesn't need defense. I'm not trying to discredit that, but please tell me that's not why he plays the game, right? So I don't know what's going on with Kyle Cuff. I don't know why he hasn't played because he's a great defender. He can hit threes. He's not somebody you're saying, go out there and give me three or four threes in a game, but he can hit them, right? Could have defended Gerard, could have been out there, could have been a part of a three-guard rotation, and I don't get it. I just don't understand, especially with the bench being so thin for Autry at this point. And I don't want to speculate about anything. I mean, he's in uniform, he's out there, but that's a odd coach's decision to me considering where we're at. I don't think Kyle Cuff would be any kind of savior, but I don't understand why he can't play at all at this point. So for Syracuse, J.J. Starling scored all 16 points in the second half. Chris Bell, you know, didn't have 30. (laughs) That would be tough to ask him to go out there and do that again two games in a row. But Bell uh, hit 16 points today, 4 of 10 from three-point range. So look, he's had 12 three-pointers in the last two games. He's getting really good at kind of shaking off his defender, faking them, watching them sail by, hitting the three. I don't have a lot of complaints about Chris Bell's game today. He had three rebounds. He had six last game. But look, you'll take what the, he gave you in 37 minutes in this game. Quadier Copeland with 13 points and four rebounds, three assists in this game. He played 28 minutes. Malik Brown, nine and eight. And look, Malik's got to be careful out there because if he fouls out, they are in big trouble. And this game, particularly with Baycott and company coming in on Tuesday against North Carolina, Brown is in a spot here because he can't be as, some people are saying, why isn't he blocking out? Because he can't be as aggressive as usual. No Peter Carey. Hema can only give you five minutes. You need Malik Brown out there. So I think you've got to sacrifice a little bit and how aggressive he can be at times because you need him. He cannot foul out. He is the most important player on the court for Syracuse that cannot foul out. Nine points eight rebounds today. He had a statistical anomaly. He had one of the best box scores you'll ever see in the Louisville game on Wednesday. A lot of people were tweeting about how rare it was, a 5-5 five and five, uh, box score, and he, he's getting a lot of attention. And I've been searching for the word for Malik Brown when you watch Malik Brown, and I've been trying to come up with it. Like, efficient comes to mind, smooth comes to mind, but I think the word is crisp. The way that Malik Brown plays the game, it's just crisp, and it's tight, and he doesn't make a lot of mistakes. Even that three-pointer that he took early. Now, Malik's got to be open. He's not a catch-and-shoot guy like a Chris Bell is. But he can hit the three. And this Malik Brown's improvement, I will say this, okay? Put his name in consideration for the most improved player in the ACC. He's getting NBA attention. I don't think he's certainly going to jump after this season. He'd be smart to test the waters, frankly, and just hear what NBA people have to say, what he has to improve on. But... 
I'm having dreams of what Malik Brown and Donnie Freeman are going to do together on that front court. Shout out to uh, my guy, Mike V, one of our Syracuse Sports Insiders, who sent me a great scouting report that I shared with our Syracuse Sports Insiders. Donnie Freeman took on Kyan Anthony last night. IMG against Long Island. Of course, Freeman, the number one power forward in the country, according to On3, one of the top 20 recruits in the country overall, incoming Syracuse recruit. Kyan Anthony, the son of Carmelo Anthony, somebody they want to commit to Syracuse. Nigel James playing that game as well. And Mike gave us a great scouting report on that. Elijah Moore comes in next year for Syracuse at point guard, which brings me to the name we haven't mentioned yet. And this enigma we're at with Judah Mintz these days. So Judah Mintz with 14 points. He was 6 of 18 from the field. He only got to the free throw line twice. The officiating in this game, by the way, was abysmal. They did nothing in the first half, and then the second half, the out-of-bounds play with Quadir Copeland, they called a weak foul right in front of me on Malik Brown. A couple other instances we can mention here, some touch fouls, and just the officiating was inconsistent. It was bad, and I just don't like when refs take halves off, and then all of a sudden the whistles don't stop in the second half. But Judah's game is so predicated on getting to the free throw line, and he was not today. Now, he did have five assists. He did you know, hit a couple of key jumpers in the paint when Syracuse was trying to get back in this thing. Clemson turned the ball over left and right. This thing's tied at one point in the second half. And But it, to me, and you guys notice it, and I hear it on uh, the Syracuse Sports Insider line. You see it on in, in social media and these things isn't everything. But it's just a lot of me ball. It's a lot of hero ball, right? It's a lot of what a point guard can't do. Right, it just feels like Judah is in a lot of ways. Now he, I don't want to overstate this. I don't want to missay this, right? Because he's not playing for himself. He is part of a team. He wants to see his teammates succeed. I thought he played good defense on Joe Girard at times today, frankly. And Judah's not necessarily noted for his defense, but in the clutch, it happened against Louisville. That play, he drives into the paint. It was a dumb decision. I don't know where it came from. And Chris Bell, Bell, uh, Chris Bell bailed him out with the block shot on the other end, right? There's just too much of that with Judah, right? So we'll see what he does down the stretch, how he plays. He was not available in the locker room afterward. He was in the locker room, but he just chose not to speak with the media today, but that's his choice. But there were certainly some things I wanted to get his perspective on, on why they happened. But I feel like people look at Judah's game and they're a little dismayed. I think what they see in the perception is it's just, it's a little selfish it's a little me ball. It's a little hero ball. And it brings me to something before we get to our Syracuse Sports Insiders and some locker room reaction that we'll get to shortly. One thing that Autry has got to do, and has got to do soon, and I don't know if he can really establish it before the end of this season, but really needs to next year. This team needs an offensive identity, okay? I get these are different sports. But in football, as secretive and as cloak and dagger as football coaches can be, like, let me give you an example. So Jeff Nixon is coming in as the new offensive coordinator for Fran Brown this year and has said already that they're going to run a lot of 12 personnel. They're going to be a pro-style offense. That gives you a sense of what the offense is going to be. And I'm not telling you what the playbook is, but you know what it is. The past few years, what was the Syracuse football defense? The 3-3-5. Okay. Let's look at basketball. Syracuse has a basketball identity. They play man-to-man defense. They've incorporated some zone lately under Jim Beheim for years. You knew what the identity was. This team does not have an offensive identity. And Adrian Autry really needs to establish that. And I have to be, you know, fair about who he recruited and how they recruited him. 
certain players were recruited for a certain way to play under Jim Beheim. You do not snap a finger and kind of disengage those players in the way that they are and how they play, right? But we saw this under Beheim too. There's just too much. It's it's I, what is the offense? A lot of pick and rolls at the top. A lot of me ball. A lot of individual ball. The ball doesn't move when it needs to. At times, there are times it certainly does. Quadra Copeland, I think, is really good at that. And there are times under Judah, the ball has moved and this team flows. It's those simple things to open up plays for a guy like Justin Taylor, who just can't score right now and has no confidence on the court. You've got to call more plays. And I know I'm making this sound as simple as can be. Okay, people that have forgotten more basketball than me. We're like, Brent, what are you talking about? They're running all types of plays. Maybe you see that. But I've had really smart basketball people, coaches, and people that watch this team, like, I don't know what they're doing out there. So I think that is something Autry really has to work on. I don't know if he can get it in there before the end of the season because it's it's tough to just completely change what you do at this court, this part of the season. And not to mention, he's running out of bodies at this point. But, man, do they need a better identity on offense. They really do. That's just my observation on it. Again, I'm not an expert on these things. There's people that have forgotten more basketball than me that will look at it and say, well, you got to look at it this way. I, this is what I hear from people. And – at the very least, they have to work on the perception that they don't have an offensive identity. But I think people see it, and that is an improvement that, that's really got that got to come from Syracuse. But look, uh, as much as we're talking about all this, as dominant as Clemson was, this team showed some fight in the second half. Their identity on defense is to get steals and to get possessions to go the other way, whether that's man-to-man or zone. They played a little press when they had to just to get things going. This team just comes up that short. They beat Louisville Wednesday. They squeezed that one out. It was a 94-92 game, and boy, it was an entertaining game. This game, the atmosphere was great. The crowd was great, despite what we talked about with the booing and the whole thing. They're just a couple of things short here. And now you got North Carolina coming in Tuesday, who, as you well remember, absolutely destroyed Syracuse at the Dean Dome. Now you're down some bodies, and now you're at a serious disadvantage. I don't know if Syracuse can claw its way back into a, a type of game against Carolina on Tuesday that they did today against Clemson. So you got to hope everybody's humming offensively. Everybody's involved. You survive as best you can. Like Syracuse is going to play the rest of the year in a rebounding deficit. It's just going to happen. It happened against Louisville. It happened today. It is certainly going to happen against North Carolina and teams maybe you wouldn't expect it to because, as we mentioned, they just don't have the bodies. They just don't have the size. They have to find other ways to do it. And rebounding, that equals possessions. The way it countered today was Clemson committed just a truckload of turnovers, which, again, Syracuse deserves credit for causing some of those. I'm going to venture a guess that North Carolina is not going to commit 21 turnovers on Tuesday. I'm going to take the under on that one, right? So that was kind of the story today. The Joe Girard storyline certainly took over, but the type of game it was and how Syracuse showed some fight, and I think they're going to fight to the end here, but they're just going to come up short Clemson's a tournament team. North Carolina can win the national championship. Some of the better teams left on the schedule, it's going to be Syracuse is going to have to pitch a perfect game, basically, to to be in these things. Let's listen into some things said in the locker room, and then we're going to hear what our Syracuse sports insiders had to say about this one. Let us start with uh, Adrian Autry, and particularly what he saw in the second half. Second half, I thought we settled down, did a good job to battle back. Then the last four minutes, same thing again. Um, you know, we didn't execute what we needed to execute. You know, defensively, you know, started gambling. Uh, you know, shot selection got 
went back, you know, we were, we were in a bonus, so we were trying to, you know, drive the ball. We had some success. That's what got us back into the game. And we had a rebound. We had to take a you know, bad shot off a rebound. So I just thought our last four minutes when we battled so well to get back in, we just, you know, our discipline on both, ends of the, both sides of the ball was just was not there. Here's Adrian Autry on Joe Girard in his return to the Dome. Yeah, I, I just thought Joe played a really good game. He stepped up when, he needed, when they needed him. He had some big shots. Uh, you know, he's, he's definitely gotten better. Um, you know, I thought, uh, you know, he had a really good game, good efficient game. He had big shots when he needed him to big shots. Brad Brownell said the same thing, the efficiency in Gerard's game. That's why they recruited him so hard in the transfer portal. Look, Gerard said, I, I wish I had the audio for you guys. It just wasn't the best. It wasn't arable. So I'll just give you a couple of quotes from Gerard in saying that uh, in being backed in Syracuse today, quote, it was awesome. I saw a lot of people I created a relationship with for four years and just to see them with smiles on their face before and after the game, it was great. I love my time here and I love the people here in getting 2,000 points in Syracuse at the Dome. He said, quote, God works in mysterious ways. I've always said he really came through tonight. It was a lot of fun to have it here. I'm at a loss for words. I don't really know what to say. It's just crazy how it all works out. And one more from Gerard, just about his team backing him through the booing, saying, quote, it was awesome. These guys have been great. They've taken me in since day one. The teams that are best off the court are usually the best on the court. That's what we have here. We have a great locker room and a lot of guys that love playing together and being one team. And I thought Brad Brownell, the head coach at Clemson, had a pretty telling quote when he said this, Quote, and again, I wish I had the audio for you guys. It wasn't the best. I just I didn't want to play bad audio for you here on the pod. It said, quote, today was not easy for him. Very emotional. We talked a couple times during the week. I think he handled it very well. Folks need to know that he loves this place tremendously. He's never said anything otherwise down at our place. This will always have a special place in his heart. Uh, back to the Syracuse reaction here. Now, uh, Justin Taylor who is admittedly friends with Joe. You're going to hear him say it himself here, but he had what I thought was probably the most passionate response to the booing that took place at the Dome. Here he uh, I mean, quite honestly, I don't know why you would boo a guy that gave everything to this school and university for four years. Um, and we played here four years, did everything that they asked him to do, and you're going to boo a guy that did nothing wrong. So, um, I mean, he did a great job, but, uh, you know, that's my guy, obviously. So, But, uh, you know, that's what it is. Yeah, so Justin Taylor not happy to see his uh, old friend booed at the Dome today. How about Justin on just can't shoot the ball right now, the struggles, the production not there? How does he assess it? Uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, just me just trying not to listen to outside noise. A lot of people are going to talk, criticize me for my offensive struggles, but it is what it is when it comes with it, and my job is to stay level-headed, continue to work like I always do, and, and trust it um, you know, every time I shoot, so couple more from the locker room here. This is a Quadir Copeland on uh, – let's listen into what he had to say about the, kind of the last four minutes of that game and, and how things kind of wilted away for the Orange even after they tied it. Just let the game get away from us. We had it tied at one point. Just certain stuff on defense, certain things on offense that we didn't do right. And that's what happened. They're a good team. So, you know, it led to baskets. We slowed down our scoring. Um, the last end of the bit of the game, then they went up by four and we couldn't get a basket. And so they – they run just kept going. One more. Uh, this is from Quadir as well on the atmosphere at the Dome. I think, that, I think the atmosphere was amazing. You know, it was good. It was fun. It was something fun to play, in, especially when we started coming back and stuff. The car was getting into it. We tied the game up. It was fun. But wish we would have got the one. 
There you have it. Some uh, sound from the locker room there. Now let's hear from our Syracuse Sports Insiders. And we would love for you to join the club, folks. We're getting new members every day. I met a bunch of you today at the Dome or saw for a second or third time. Shout out to Vern. Shout out to Gary. Shout out to Andy. What a nice conversation with Courtside. Vern, by the way, who our Syracuse Sports Insiders saw. So Friday at the Syracuse Lacrosse game, Mariano Rivera was there, the Sandman. His son plays for Manhattan. There's Mariano Rivera in the crowd rooting for Manhattan lacrosse. Vern gets a great picture with Mariano, and we actually used it on Syracuse.com and sent it to the insiders and kind of a unique thing that happened at the Dome. And it's great to always talk to you guys. If you're at the Dome, please come say hello. But what being a Syracuse sports insider means is you can text me anytime your thoughts, your opinions, your question, priority on this podcast, reaction on every podcast that we do, and Syracuse basketball postgame show presented by Krause Health. Try it free for two weeks. And the way you do it is you text the word orange to 315-847-3895. And that means the back and forth between you and I happens. Try it out for a couple weeks. See if you like it. See if you like what we're delivering to you. The information, the breaking news, the opinion, the analysis. And then it's just $3.99 a month after that. Come on by. Come hang. We're growing every day, and we would love for you to be a Syracuse Sports Insider. Mikey P. leads us off today saying so sad to hear the booze. For JG3, he's a class guy that gave us four years of his life to Syracuse. Al says, I think the fans were just having fun in-game. If he was booed pre-game, that would be classless. JB is who poisoned the fan base for Joe. He handled the Kadari situation badly. And look, I, I want to agree with that point. I think a lot of the frustration, whatever that's there, that is shared about Joe Girard is misdirected. I think about 90% of the frustrations that people have with Gerard, they have with Bayheim. okay? A lot of what happened around Gerard was not his fault. Gerard was asked to play out of position. The Kadari joe thing was completely on Bayheim. Joe would take some logo shots, wasn't the best defender, had a couple of great defensive plays today, frankly, but he finished third all-time in three-point shots. 2,000-point scorer for all those dopes that said, like, Joe should go play at Siena or something like that. Yeah, 2,000 career points. He's a top 15 scorer in the ACC this year. I mean, just your opinion is completely invalidated. And it always was, by the way. Joe is an ACC basketball player and continues to prove that on an NCAA tournament team at Clemson. And he just dropped 18 on his old team. So, you know, you want to take those comments and shove them where the sun don't shine. That was always ridiculous. But I think a lot of the frustration people have, per Al's point, was with Bayhunt not with Gerard, and why you'd want to, by the way, reverse the angle, and I, th I think we're going to get to a comment here at some point. Is it here? Yeah, I think it's this one. Craig B says, regarding Gerard, I'm sorry, you're either with us or against us. Let's save the claps and signs of appreciation when his eligibility is exhausted. Craig, I don't agree with that, okay? This is 2024 in college sports. You can be respectful. Both things can be true. Again, during the game, boo him all you want. He's an opponent, right? That's just kind of the weird situation we're in. But this you're with us or against us stuff, reverse rules. If Joe Girard terrorized Syracuse for four years at Clemson and then wanted to transfer here, you'd embrace him, right? There's just certain players. Think of, you know, like Eric Devendorf through the years, the players everybody else hates, but you love to have on your team, right? Why wait? Take the opportunity to say thank you when you can Joe, I think, would have been in, in a real weird spot as a fifth-year senior with a bunch of young guys. And, look, that's just the opportunity we have. How many of you 
watching this or listening to this have changed a job, have moved, have changed your life situation because it was better for you, even though maybe your heartstrings were attached to where you were. I've talked to so many people that have had to move out of central New York. They love Syracuse. They love central New York. They love it to death, but they just had a better opportunity somewhere else. Why can't Joe Girard do that? This, you're with us or against this stuff? I completely disagree with that. And it's in this day and age, you just can't have it. You just, you just, it, it's unrealistic. Some players are going to move on. Not all situations are created equal. I think the Jesse Edwards situation, I mean, I don't begrudge you to go get money, but it's not like he wasn't offered a significant amount of money to stay here, and boy, could they use him, right? I look at that, and I, I see regret. I, the Kadari Richmond, I think, is another great example of that. He could be the biggest player of the year. So not all these situations are created equal, but all Gerard did was bust his butt at this school for four years, did what was asked of him, classy kid, as we saw today. I've never seen, I can recall, I might be wrong here, They've never had to put a visiting player at the podium, right? If you talk to visiting teams, usually you go over to the locker room or they, they bring them in, a couple of people talk. I've never seen a visiting player at the podium, which speaks to kind of where we're at in college sports today and the effect that he had. So, look, I don't want to make this all about Gerard, but it was certainly a storyline today. And I just, Craig, respectfully, I just don't agree with that. This You're with us or against this thing? Come on. I think you got to be a little more realistic than that. Moving right along, Jimmy uh, M says, Brent, I have been going to basketball games since 1962. I can tell you that I have not seen in my time teams as disorganized and unprepared as the Autry teams. There also has been no correction of errors that's been made when they win because of somehow each other's player is putting in that own effort without organization. Now, Jim, I respect the fact you've been watching basketball that long, and I respect your opinion there, but there were certainly a lot of what you said in the Bayheim era, right? It's not like this all of a sudden happened with Autry. Where I will agree with you, and where Syracuse still has an issue, is this is still clearly a second-half team. J.J. Starling, great example of this today. He, I talked to him about it after the game. He just said didn't feel like himself in the first half. He just had to flush it, go out there, be confident, find his rhythm, and he really did. J.J. has become... Such an offensive catalyst for this team. I would argue the offense flows better when he's on his game versus not that you don't want Judah on his game. I don't want to make this just all about, you know, kind of dumping on Judah here. But there's just a flow and a confidence that J.J.'s game is developing here. He almost plays like a point guard. And there's just something really to like. He's come up big for this team. But there's something about this team just they don't play their best in the first half consistently. And then all of a sudden, the second half, boom, look at today, the turnovers they created. J.J.'s back in the flow offensively. Think The light bulb just goes on. To me, Jim, that's a sign of a coach making adjustments, figuring things out at halftime, and then going out there and making a difference. So kind of strong, maybe a little emotional after the game, but I, I saw some of what you were saying in the Bayheim era there. But uh, I'll respect your opinion. You know, you've been watching games since – 1962, the Manly Fieldhouse era and beyond. That's, that's a lot of Syracuse basketball. I'm sure Jim's got a lot of great stories, and I'd love to hear more of them. Let's go down to South Florida, where David says, love the overall play of Starling and Brown as this team tries to navigate through the rest of the challenging season. My dad once told me that attitude is everything, and he asks a good question. How does this coaching staff manage the obvious immaturity and team chemistry issues on and off the court? Look, Gerard said it. A, a team that hangs together off the court is better on it. There's a clear chemistry issue with this team. Benny Williams got kicked off the team. 
we've players have been injured and in and out and the, the Kyle cuff thing, what's going on there? Like just the, the, there's just a general disconnect with this team and a disjoining on this team. I think we're seeing adjustments. I think we're seeing certain players trying to figure out who's coming back next year and what Justin Taylor has struggled. Like the chemistry on this team. I think we clearly see it. I'm not trying to speak to things off the court. These guys do hang out. I know certain players that live with each other and there, there is a bond there. But you're just not seeing it on the court right now. There's there's clearly something still missing, even this late down the road. Vern, my main man, who we saw at the Dome today, says, how can you boot the welcoming players here that transfer after one year? I brought that up a moment ago, right? Not the result you want, but I did like that the defensive intensity and the number of turnovers that the defense caused. Let's keep it going here. A couple more from our Syracuse sports insiders, including Micah, who says Syracuse really hurt itself in the first half. The 12 points in 12 minutes to start the game, just brutal. And he adds, then to close, Judah continues to show his immaturity and poor decision-making. Too much me basketball, as he puts it. Randy H. says, I could take two perspectives here. The first one is that Syracuse did a nice job coming back and making this a game. That is true. But Randy adds, the other perspective is they didn't show up for part of the first half, and that is probably where they lost the game. I'm taking that perspective. I'm not buying moral victories this late in the year. From Chris H., who says, they had our chances in this game. Tough to come back from the offense in the first half. Too much hero ball in the second. Still unclear what happened to our defense in the second half of ACC play. Richard G. says, another poor performance by the Q's. I'm not even sure they're an NIT team at this point. They're still an NIT team, and whether they would get the benefit of the NIT or not, I think is a question. I was talking about this before. I think it was with our guy Andy, one of our Syracuse Sports Insiders. Usually when you go to the NIT, it's you want postseason experience, give some players a taste of it that didn't get it. Obviously, they didn't go to either last year, but how many of those guys are going to be around next year, right, given just the – I'm not speculating on anything. I'm just talking about college sports in 2024, who hits the portal. Judas certainly appears to be want to be moving on to pursue a professional career of sorts, though he is nowhere near being an NBA player at this point. Certainly, I think he play in the G League, but I don't expect him on the roster next year. There's always a surprise transfer portal player or two. So you got to really think about that. I think ultimately the answer is yes, and Red should do it. Should they get the NIT bid that I expect that they'll get? But usually that's with a step towards next year. And boy, who's going to be a part of that thing? next year just something to think about maddie d says i'm shocked by the fan reaction after this one everyone calling for autry's job is overreacting there's a lot to like about the way that this team played today adding first half the offense was awful sure second half offense was good defense which was outsized by a large margin made up for it by drawing turnovers and we'll close with brian c here saying this team showed some fight just overmatched in the paint couldn't rebound story of the game lack of execution at the end and guys that is going to be the story the rest of the year you can kind of build in a rebounding deficit this team's going to be in it's happened two games in a row it's absolutely going to happen against north carolina and i just feel like you got to work your way around that i think autry's got to find an offensive identity that we did see in the second half per that comment from matt but we don't see it in the first half enough right you got to play 40 minutes and i'm not saying everybody plays 40 minutes of perfect basketball clemson was helped there just stumbling around for a while everybody kind of falls into those ruts a little bit just not enough in the first half from this team this year i don't know why kyle cuff's not playing kyle cuff needs to play he needs to contribute you're down to five guys justin taylor is free to prove me wrong and be that sixth guy 
Monir Hima played four minutes today, got two fouls. Didn't do enough. You are essentially down to five guys. Kyle Cuff has, has to play. I think that has to be added to the mix. We'll see where Autry goes from there on that. And look, this team, while the NCAA tournament has certainly faded away at this point, barring a miracle run in the ACC tournament, there is a lot to play for in terms of just getting big wins, showing what you can do, in some cases building towards next year, and in the case of other guys, just showing what you can do as a player. And I'm going to be curious to see how they handle this. How serious is the Peter Carey situation? They said after the game is going to be reevaluated. That's a guy you need 10 minutes from. That's a guy you got, especially against North Carolina. I mean, he's completely out, out physical, if you will, against the, the Tar Heels, but this team needs bodies to get through the rest of the season here, and they're dwindling one way or the other. You're willingly kicking off players from the team who certainly had gone awry of the rules, and I think we all understand, uh, even if we don't have all the details, why Autry had to do that, but boy, you're still in a situation where you got to play everybody you can. So we'll see how that goes going forward. We will meet again Tuesday after the Orange take on North Carolina. Uh, we've got some cool things cooking for you on the Syracuse Sports Podcast as well over the next week or two. So please subscribe on Spotify, Apple, and YouTube so you never miss an episode. And, of course, never miss an episode of this here postgame show presented by Krause Health, the exclusive healthcare partner for SU Athletics. I'm going to say, uh, before we depart, guys, 49ers, let's go 34, Kansas City, 30. Taking the Niners. I know you're not supposed to bet against Patty Mahomes and the Chiefs, but as a Bills fan, I just don't have it in me to pick Kansas City. So I'm going with the Niners. You guys enjoy the rest of your weekend. Enjoy Super Bowl Sunday. We'll be back at it after the Orange Take on North Carolina and, of course, on the Syracuse Sports Podcast. And we'll hear from our Syracuse Sports Insiders anytime. Thanks for watching Syracuse Basketball Postgame. The Orange lose to Clemson today, 77-68. And we will catch you next time, guys.